I'm kind of terrified to tell you all this, but fashion has never been my thing. In fact, I often find out after the fact, um, usually accidentally, that something I am wearing is apparently no longer fashionable. Well, I, in general, I don't care or try to be cool in how I dress. I do find it hysterical (laughs) when I do think that I actually am in fashion and look cool and hip, and then one of my friends or, or maybe a teenager that I live with lets me know I am not. I remember when I wore my bright green Crocs to small group one, of the, one time, and one of the young adults said to me, oh, you're wearing your camp shoes. I was like, what? She said, oh, those are the shoes you wear at camp. I was like, no, these are my bright green Crocs. And she said, oh, I thought you were wearing them tonight to be funny. I do remember long time ago desiring to be fashionable, or maybe it was to feel included or to be cool. In the spring of my sixth grade year, I noticed that every single girl in my school had a pair of white lace-up Keds. I went home. I told my mom, I need to have a pair of Keds like they do. And so a few days later, she came home with these. And now you can see why I have literally been set up for failure when it came to fashion. These were the Payless knockoff version. And as tall as I am with bright green shoes, you can imagine some of the nicknames that came out of these shoes. I remember dying that I had to wear these. So embarrassed that I would get made fun of, and I did. So worried were others going to see that my family did not have as much money as their families. So concerned about being left out, being seen as uncool, different, because as it is still today, clothes, they're a status symbol. They're a symbol of how plugged in or clueless one is to what's fashionable and what's not. But what we know also is that throughout the course of humanity, clothes have always been an identifier of who's in and who's out. You can tell people's wealth, their status, what family they come from. In short, the materially poor have less clothes. They have clothes that are made from poorer fabric. The rich have more clothes, nicer fabrics. And it holds true, friends, right here in Austin. My friend who is a missionary in Kenya tells me that the people he works with have two shirts. They have a work shirt and they have a church shirt. And that's all they need. Consider how many shirts each of us has in our closets. I have to tell you, it was no different in first century Israel. The average Jew would have had two outfits to make them make sure that if one of them became unclean, one would not risk breaking a purity law so they would have another one as a backup. The way a person was outfitted was as follows. First, there was the loincloth if you were male. And if you were female, there was nothing. Next was a tunic that you would wear over. 
And that would have been made of a a simple fabric, a, a drape. It was long. It was colored with a natural dye, often making it red, brown, or yellow. It was homespun. It was loose fitting. There was no tailoring or cinching. There was a hole at the center that you would put your head through. And the sides were often stitched up right to here so that your arms could then come through. And then there would be another long, narrow piece of fabric that was used to cinch it as a belt, if you were fortunate enough to have that. And this, my friends, is what most average folks wore during Jesus's life. That's it. The thing that really divided the poor from the rich, though, in Jesus's time was the cloak. This thick fabric often made of wool to keep out the cold and the dust and the wind. This was made from two pieces of material, often in stripes of of light and dark brown, and they were hand-stitched together. The joined material was wrapped around the body, sewn at the shoulders, and then slits were made in the side for the arms to go through. But you see, not everyone had a cloak. Cloaks were items of clothing that when made, they were a status symbol. If you had a soft and colorful cloak, you were, as Jesus says, from royal places. In the story of the prodigal son, if you remember, the son returns home. The father says to his servants before he tells them to get the fatted calf, bring a robe, the best one, and put it on him. That's the word for cloak. And then in order to humiliate Jesus after he has been beaten, the Romans put a purple cloak on him. Here now is your king. A poor man's cloak was so important to him that if it was handed over to guarantee repayment of a debt, it had to be returned to him at sunset. So when we think of Palm Sunday, we think of palms, right? We think of fanfare. We think of a parade of shouting, Hosanna, God save us. Today, as we read the scripture, I want you to think of cloaks. We will continue to read in the Gospel of Matthew. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives... Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village ahead of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, the Lord needs them and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, look, Your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and they put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them. On the road, the crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. 
When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This too is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So if it is true that a person's cloak was a status symbol, something that one might have waited for a long time to finally have, something that protected you from the sun, from the wind and the cold, it just doesn't make sense to me. Why is this crowd so compelled to surrender them, to lay their cloaks down for a man on a donkey? Well, first, the Jews believed against belief that this humble man was the Messiah, the king. It was the person that the prophets had foretold, and he had come to bring them victory over the Romans. The Romans were taxing these people 50% of what they made. Secondly, a procession and a parade, it's just what you did to welcome a king into the city. It would have been like the walls of the streets and the windows would be decorated. There would have been trumpets and drums. The king would be riding with his court on a fine, majestic, strong horse, followed by other exotic animals. Do you remember the procession in Aladdin of King Ali? This is what it would have been like, but not this day. Not on Palm Sunday years ago. There was no big fanfare. Just people. Branches, cloaks, and shouts. There was no government or religious leaders to fund it. Just the everyday folks. Just the me and you. And so these people, feeling compelled, for whatever reason, to honor this Messiah, they took the only bit of status that they had, the cloak on their very own back, and they laid it down. They surrendered. Would I do this? When I am confronted with an opportunity to bring honor to Jesus, I'm usually really good on Sundays I'm especially good before anybody in my house wakes up. Surrender. Surrender is literally counter to American culture. We went to Gettysburg last week thinking about surrender. If anyone would have yelled surrender, they would have been a coward. They would have been weak. I can do this with my words, though. But how would I do this with my status? With my things? With those things that I can control? The scripture beckons to each of us this holy week. Our Messiah is coming. Surrender. Lay it down. When I am considering working just one more hour at home, 
I should stop the work from my home office and spend time with family. Surrender. Lay it down. When we stress over what everyone seems to be doing so right in their homeschooling on Facebook, glosting as I call it, surrender. Lay it down. The temptation to take one more look at our 401k or pension and see our retirement savings going down, surrender. Lay it down. When the numbers of the people that we actually know and some of us love continue to rise because they have gotten the virus and fear begins to rise in us, surrender. Lay it down. When we are sheltering in place and we are not able to connect with family, friends, with coworkers, with therapists, and we are faced with the radical dysfunction in in our homes and in our marriages, the stored up feelings between spouses and children. And honestly, it doesn't feel like we are doing this following Jesus thing well. Surrender and lay it down. The clergy know that there was only one thing that I was adamant about when I started leading worship here. It wasn't the music. It wasn't whether we had a band or whether we had an organ. It wasn't how many creeds we used or how high church or low church we would be. I just said, we need to wear robes. They hadn't been wearing robes here. As I begin to think about surrender, I realized what I might have said is the reason we needed to wear robes. About 15 years ago, when I got ordained, my mentor, Lane Alderman, said, the reason you wear a robe is because it shows that you have the education to be a pastor. I'm being honest with y'all. I used to tell people that's what I meant when I wore the robe. But honestly, the reason I wear the robe is because I don't want anybody to comment on what I look like. I don't want anybody to comment on What I have on, if it's fashion or not fashion, I don't want to be self-conscious if I feel like I've put on weight or lost weight. And I realize that as much as this has been a status for my education, it has also been something that I have held up as a security blanket. And it's gotten in the way. And so today, just as an act of surrender, I'm going to lay it down. And this is what I know, y'all. Our king is worth it. May it be so in my life and in yours. Amen.